0: Uh, John's Gospel, chapter 6. just want to begin reading from verse 37, please. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. Verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me, except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, And they shall be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that have heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. We know the Lord will bless that reading of his own word. Let's just bow in a word of prayer for a moment. Father, we thank you and praise you for the songs of Zion that we've been singing and that the, the, the girls have been singing. The youth, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the ministry you're starting to give them. And we pray, O oh God, that you would be glorified in everything that is done. Father, help us to see your great purpose, To see your mighty hand, to see your almighty will and sovereign power and authority wrought in the earth, in the hearts, in the lives of men and women, we thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, this evening for so many coming in such a cold night. Bless them, and as our faces differ, so do our needs. Every home is different that we have left behind, Father, and we pray that you would Lord, meet every need this evening. We think of those who cannot be with us this evening. We think of Jeffrey Peden and the Peden family. We think of them, Lord, that you would keep your hand upon them and bless them and encourage them at this time. Of Jeffrey's severe illness, Lord. And we think also of Arne and Ansel and the family, Lord. at how, uh, Lord, uh, Anza's father so ill at this moment in time. Lord, would you move sovereignly on their behalf? There's nothing too difficult for Thee. We think of others, Lord, who are sick in body and with coughs and colds and flus and asthma and different things, Lord. We ask you to meet them at their point of their need, for, Lord, they would always be here sitting in your house at any other time. We pray, O God, there's so many, I would leave some out, but you'll not forget them. We ask you, Lord, that you, Lord, would make, uh, Lord, an improvement in them when their loved ones go home and glorify the name of the Lord Jesus. We ask it for his name's sake. Amen. This evening we want to look at the depravity of man and the doctrines of grace. The depravity of man and the doctrines of grace or sovereign election and the calling of God through grace. You see, there's many people who say, I find Jesus. And friend, you didn't find Jesus, Jesus found you. He came, he bled, he died, he rose, he ascended, he sent his spirit and he found you. He sent forth the gospel preached through the lips of men and women, and they went forth in the power of that. And those who heard and believed from within their heart were saved and born again of the Spirit. And even Jesus says himself that no man can come to him except the Father which had sent him draw them. Some people come under conviction and they wonder, is that really the Lord? How I know it's not of myself. Well, you see, The depravity of your nature isn't that so much that we are such sinners because we are. But the depravity of our nature is the impossibility of ourselves to save ourselves. That we are such a helpless lost estate that no matter the works, no matter the deeds, no matter the alms, no matter the trying, whatever we lay out to do for the glory of God, it will not equate to the debt that we owe for our salvation for our sins to be paid and full. So, this evening, we want to look at how, in our lost estate, completely debased in our humanity, how, without a hope or a chance of being saved, the Lord Jesus Christ came and bled and died and sent forth His Spirit into our hearts. That those of us who are saved will realize how great our God really is. That men and women bound for hell lost for all eternity, to stand at the judgment throne, to stand at that bar, to be cast into a lake of fire for all of eternity, separate from God, we find that those men, every single one of us, those women, every single one of us, that we are lost and without hope. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Without Christ coming into our lives, our spiritual deadness would never have awoken. We would never have been awakened to the fact of our lost estate and that Christ is the only Savior. This evening we proclaim that Jesus is the only Savior. He's not one of many. He's not one among a number. He is the one and the only Savior. There is none other. There is none else. It's Christ and Christ alone. We find nowadays the humanist approach even to the gospel is this, that if you're good, if you're liberal enough and you're loving, then Christ will forgive you. No, repentance comes through an awakening of the Spirit in the heart of man and woman. It's the only way we can. We're dead. So we want to look this evening at what the Scripture says about you. And if you're a believer this evening, that you can rejoice that Christ has Saved you. That you can rejoice that your Father knew you, even when you were in the world, even whenever you were at the no good, even when you were in your deep dyed sin, even whenever you were wayward and dead toward him, didn't care about him, wanted to know nothing of him, yet he knew you and he loved you and he gave himself for you. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? And to think that he has kept us through our failures, through our faults, he has kept us every single step Off the way. In our reading in verse 37, Jesus says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now, we always hear, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And that's true. There's nothing wrong with that. But the strength of the verse, the strength of the clause is this, that those whom the Father has given to his Son, they will come to him and Christ will not cast out those whom the Father has given. That's the strength of the very verse, of verse 37. So the idea is, look at verse 44 no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. So no man can come to Jesus. Everybody seems to think. Oh, it's a simple thing. At the time of death, i say, here I am, Jesus. And if there be a God, then he'll accept me because I've mentioned the name of Jesus. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. And the humanist approach of religion is this, that we can have some inherent good that will appease God and that God will accept us as we are in our sin. The Bible does not state that. The Bible does not tell us that we can work The Bible says that we are lost. Jesus says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Notice what he says in verse 39. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, there they are again, I should lose nothing. Here's the wonderful thing you're not only saved by grace, you're kept by grace, by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Jesus says, when the Father has given you to me and you have come to an awakening of your sin and your depravity and in need of a Savior in me alone, you'll find that you are mine forever. You'll not be lost. But Christ is our all and all he says and it's the father's will this is the father's will which hath sent me that all which he hath given me i should lose nothing now look at verse 44 no man can come to me except the father which has sent me draw him here's again the spirit of god in action here is the spirit moving in operation and manifestation The Spirit drawing the sinner to the cross. The Spirit awakening the heart of the dead. You see, people say, there's something strange happening to me because I'm starting to think about the things of God and I'm starting to think about the things of my soul's salvation and my eternal welfare. And they think it's themselves thinking, but no, the dead man, the dead woman cannot think. It's the Spirit of God drawing them to the Christ, the Savior of God. You cannot think, you cannot think it of your own self, but it is the Holy Spirit who is doing the drawing to the cross. In verse 45, look at what he says. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. Listen, every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father. In other words, if you're thinking, well, you know, this religion stuff, I'll try it out. Just forget it. You're better going and enjoying your life while you can and living in sin and dying because you'll go to a damned place anyhow. But if it's the Father who is awakening your heart through His Spirit, if it's the Father who is telling you your need of a Savior, if it's the Father who's pointing Christ alone to you, then you're learning off the Father. Come to Jesus. Come to Christ. Notice this. If you let your eye run down to verse 65 in the same chapter, many of the disciples are leaving Jesus. So-called disciples, the, the fair weather disciples, the, 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 the seed that's been sown among thorns and it's been choked a little, or the seed that's been thrown, sown into stony ground and it's sprouted for a little and then it's died when the heat of the day comes. Those sort of believers... Those sort of believers are men and women who get some rush of adrenaline of some sort of religious experience. There's no depth in them of God. Like shooting stars across the sky. One minute they're there burning bright, the next minute they're gone and burnt out. And notice this. Jesus is surrounded by these people. And he has his own disciples at his side. And he says to them, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah, hold on, you're telling us to break the law of God, Jesus. No, he isn't. He says that he's talking about the spiritual side of this. He's talking about the spiritual aspect of it. He's not talking about the mass here. He's talking here about breaking bread and remembering that he died for us. Drinking of the wine, remembering that he shed his precious blood for us. And notice what he says. They all start to leave him. Deeper theology, uh, stronger meat causes people to choke and they start to retch with it and then they have to leave because they cannot handle the meat of the Word of God, the stronger meat. You see, you can fill a stadium with people if you Pat them on the back and you tickle their ears and you tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. You can fill stadiums with it when you fill them full of entertainment. But give them the meat of the Word of God. See how many choke. See how many will run. And see how many will hide when they have to start chewing and swallow hard of who they are in the light of what it says. These men and women started to leave Christ. And he turns to his disciples, he says, we also go away. Peter, impetuous Peter, he says, to whom else will we go? Thy hast the words of eternal life. Friend, there's no one else but the Lord, and there's no one else to go. There's nowhere else to go. Notice this. He says in verse 65, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. Now that's strong. Because here's what happens. People go, well, what about him? And what about her? And what about that lovely good person? And what about this nice? And there may be nice people. What about that such a, a religious person? That, and they, they go to church every single week. What about this one? I can tell you something. All I'm told to do is to preach to every creature and let God do the rest. Let God do the rest. You make your calling, your election sure, then go out and tell the others. Notice here, one of the greatest dangers to man is the thought of that there's something in him or something that he does that can merit his own, her own salvation. If I'm good and do, then that's it done is the thought. If I'm good and do, then that's it done. That's their thought. On a human level, some are good. Some are better than others. Some people's lives are are wonderful. Some people see loved ones in their families, and even when they do wrong, they think they can't do wrong. You think your children can't do wrong because they're your children. When I was in the BB growing up, my mama used to go to the BB displays and used to say, Look, everybody's out of step but our Kenneth. (laughs) Isn't that true? See, they were always good. Oh, they were lovely. The sweetest flowers in the garden and all that sort of stuff we hear. Yet many of them know not Christ. And many of them know not Christ. Yes, they're good on a human level, deemed good by families and friends. But when measured against the standard of God's holiness and His righteousness, We fall foul and flat, failing every time. Turn to Matthew 19, if you will, with me for a few moments, please. This is a well-known story, the Lord Jesus, again. He's approached by a young man, and he's... Matthew 19, verse 16, it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master... What good things shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? Notice the words of Christ, There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which? Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother and thy... Shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus saith unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions, and Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man can hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceeding amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things. possible this young man comes and he says what must i do good master what good thing must i do to inherit eternal life one thing jesus says is you can't do anything good to inherit it and if you're saying what good thing must i do then you realize you must keep the commandments all these have i kept from my youth up you've just broken one you've just lied And people think they, there's an inherent goodness that makes a mark in God's economy. I'm good. I'm a good father. And, and we, we appreciate that. Please be that. A good mother, a good citizen, a good so-and-so, whatever. And, and we appreciate that. We should be that. But when it's marked for the kingdom of God, it amounts to nothing. Jesus says there is none good but one, not as God. So the young man must have been saying, I'm calling you good because you're God. Now listen, when he walks away because he has so much goods, the disciples are going, if he can't be saved, then who then can be saved? You see, the Jews thought that if they had prosperity, that was not only the blessing of God, and yes, God does bless us. But they thought that that was a blessing of God to show how much God loves someone. And if you were poor, then God didn't love you as much. And this young man with many goods and great riches, he comes and Jesus says, You have great riches. And everyone's looking at him, saying, "This, This young man must be really loved of God. He must be really blessed of God. Surely he is saved. when he walks away from Christ Jesus says how hardly can this young man someone like him enter into the kingdom let's be aware of the prosperity gospel that tells you you're only blessed when God gives you a jet plane that's what was believed that riches equated to salvation now listen Jesus said, they said, who then can be saved? Jesus says, with men it's impossible. Friend, did you hear that? Listen again. Jesus said, not this man behind this pulpit, Jesus said, when it comes to the salvation of your soul and entering the kingdom of heaven, listen to what he says, it is impossible. That's the depravity of human nature. It's impossible. I hear people saying, you know, if you want, you can be saved. Look, you want your life to be cleaned up and you want to have you know, uh, such a blessing. And you want, oh, look, a you're going to get saved. Come on up and they fill up all right in the front. That's not salvation. Salvation is the word of God entering the heart and changing the man and woman from the inside out. Here, Jesus said it's impossible for you and me to enter the kingdom of heaven. Impossible. So we're lost. We're hell bound. We're like of fire bound. We're destitute. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus said, God, you're looking at him. I came down from heaven. I was clothed in flesh. I am the bread of life. And if you want salvation, he says, it's in me. Any other way is impossible. Salvation is only possible through God. Jonah, Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9, he exclaims, salvation is off the Lord. Not off anyone or anything else. Salvation is off the Lord. Listen to this. Psalm 14 verses 1 to 3 and Psalm 53 verses 1 to 3 they mention the same words. It's the same uh, uh, Scripture over again in those two portions of Scripture. Paul takes it, as the psalmist is saying to Israel now, Paul takes it into the New Testament and in Romans chapter 3, verses 13 to 10. Listen to this. Romans 3 and verse 10. Pardon me, 10 to 13, pardon me. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. There is righteous. How many is righteous? None. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. How many is it that understands the things of God outside of the Spirit? None. Verse 12. Pardon me, there's none that seeketh after God. Verse 12. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable there is none that doeth good. How many does good in the economy of God? None. No, not one. That's what God says. That's what God said about Ken Davidson. You don't do any good. None righteous. The word righteous here is the word, the chaos, and it means observing divine laws, keeping the commandments. So really what it says here, there is none virtuous, none who are wholly conformed to the will of God. There's none approved of God, and so there is none acceptable to God. Not one of us. Not one of us. We are depraved in our nature. We are fallen and able to save ourselves. God will accept nothing from you. The only thing he accepts is the blood of his Son. There's none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. The word understandeth simply means none that can perceive the spiritual and moral issues and values of God. Your moral issues may be higher than mine and mine higher than yours. People try and find the, the spiritual side of things, and they go to spiritus, spirits of devils behind it. They're wanting to talk to their, their relatives and, and, and bless them because their heart is aching so much. They're just hoping to hear something. But really, it's not their relatives. It's a spirit of the devil. That's all it is. It's spirits of devils. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeks after God. the idea is there's none will investigate me of his own self there's none that will seek my favor, nor is there one to worship God outside of himself listen let 's be honest with ourselves. I, I can only talk about me you don't know i don 't know about yourself, but there was nothing in my mind when I was unsaved and in the world and doing the things that I did that I even thought of God. In fact, the night that I did get saved i 'd been on the the turf for a few days, and I was sitting in a, in a party, and, the, and these girls said to me, such and such as I heard they became good living, would you ever think of getting saved, Ken? And I cursed and I swore up and down full of alcohol and drugs, and I was saved that night. <laughs> I was saved by sovereign grace that night. God had a different plan. Everything in me was dead to him. We were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. The the term here to do good means, it gives the idea of benignity and uh, with integrity, morality and kindness. Listen, we all have a touch of it, but it means living completely, totally, in a habitual manner every moment of every second of every hour of every day that's what it means. There's none do us good. But you see, one came. One came. And he kept the divine law, the commandment of God. There was one came and he perceived all the spiritual and moral issues of God. There was one came and and he was the investigation of God and he was the one who taught us to worship God and he's the one who sought the favor of his father. There's one came he had benignity and integrity and morality and kindness 24-7 every second of every day. He did no sin. He knew no sin. He was yet without sin. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And salvation is in him alone. Salvation is in him. See, friend, listen to what it says. They are all gone out of the way. You know the idea at night? We're looking here at, at Israel because at the time that this was written in the Psalms, Israel were going out all out of the way. You know, they were turning away from God. And the term gone out of the way, you know it gives the idea of? They've gone sour like milk. Gone sour like milk. And I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to drink sour milk? Not so long ago, I get up and it was pretty. I have a habit of walking around the house in the dark. I'm not trying to save the electric. I just, I just potter about and I would potter about in the dark. And if the girls are out even, sometimes I just sit in the dark room and just sit and think. And the girls would come in and go, Dad, what are you doing sitting in the dark? Call me a weirdo. <laughs> one day I come down in the dark and I sort of shuffling about and got a bit of wee bowl of cornflakes out and I poured the milk out and it was. But in the dark, I thought, must be just because I'm awake. <laughs> I'm only up, so maybe my taste buds aren't the same. But after about three or four shovelfuls, uh, I realized that this milk is sour, and I was near sick. <clears throat> sour milk. Oh. The stench of sour milk, if it's left without being wiped up, the smell of it. And the Lord says, there's none does good. You're like, Sour milk? That's what humanity is like before God. Sour milk. That's what Israel were like. You're like sour milk. They've become unprofitable means they've become spoiled. They're useless. How did we become spoiled? We became spoiled when Adam fell in the garden. Useless in relation to the glory of God. Listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah 64 and verse 6. Talking about offering our works unto God. But we are as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Now, if you're writing down, write these scriptures down and look at them when you go home. Luke chapter 15, verse 33. Pardon me. Sorry, I'm in the Old Testament. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 15 verse 33, Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 18, and Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 17 speaks of this unclean thing, this filthy rag. And it gives the idea of a woman in her menstrual cycle. They used rags. And in the law of God, the husband was to be separated from his wife for the period of time. And every time we're coming in our flesh to offer up to God the works of our hands and our religious spirit, and we're buying at idols and altars and statues and thinking we're doing God's will, no change of heart, no change of mind, no love for Christ, and going out the same way we come in, and we're living like devils the rest of the week. The Lord says, see your works to me. It's like a monstrous rag. That's the the strength of the word of God here. God says, don't even offer me that. It's an unclean thing to me. So we offer this to God thinking we will appease him and that we will please him. And that's why he sent his son. He came down in fullness and in cleanness, in purity. He hung and he bled and he died on the cross for you and me. Psalm 119 in verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a, long, a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man be cleansed? Even from our mother's womb, we're born and shaped in iniquity. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. What does the word say about your cleansing? The word says about your forgiveness, the word says that you must come to Christ, that you must believe in Christ, that you must trust in his one time, his once for all, and never to be repeated again sacrifice, the shedding of his most precious blood, the precious blood of the Lamb. Here, if a man or a woman. If a man cannot first see his depravity, that is his inability to save himself, herself. If a man cannot first see his depravity, then he cannot see his need for a Savior. He thinks he's good enough. It's called being self-righteous. If a man cannot realize his lost estate, he cannot realize his need to be found. He's depraved destitute because Ephesians 2 and 1 tells us he is dead, she is dead in their trespasses and in their (laughs) their sins. Listen to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 2 and verse 17. They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They that are whole of the no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Well, Jesus, you're not looking for the good. Listen, I've something to tell you. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. Sealed people do. Notice this. They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. Alison gives off to me. If I am feeling well sometimes, she would say, would you please go even get checked out? I've been suffering for months with a bad back and a sore side. And it comes and goes. And sometimes it's crippling me. And I'm saying, I'm waiting on the Lord. He'll do it. i waiting on the Lord. He'll do it. And she's going, just go and get a check, would you? I go, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm all around like this sometimes. <laughs> I'm waiting on the Lord. He's going to do it. And the problem is, when I go to the doctors and I come back, she'll say, well, what did the doctor say? just says, right, well, says, I think I'm all right. Maybe I have pulled something or whatever, you know. She says, next time you go to the doctor's, I am going with you. You know why? Because I go to the doctor's and they say, well, how you doing? I go, ah, I'm all right. <laughs> and he says, well, how can I help you then? What are you doing here? I'm all right, you know. If I went and told him, maybe he could help me more, to be honest. Jesus says, if I come, I'm not coming for you to tell me, well, I'm all right. And coming for you to say, I'm a sinner. And I'm lost without you. Please forgive me. That's what Jesus is saying. I came not to call the righteous, those who think they're righteous, in other words, but sinners, to repentance. Now, in our opening scripture, John chapter 6, we see some dead men. Hearing, John chapter 6, and let your eye run down, please. The verse 41, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They said, is this not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, murmur not among yourselves, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me to him. These these Jewish leaders are saying this. They're saying, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? And in John chapter 10, verses 26 and verse 27, he has another one of his many run-ins with them. John chapter 10 and verse 26. Listen to what he says. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, hold on a minute. Let's hold on a wee minute. What's going on here? Jesus didn't say, you won't hear So you're not my sheep, he says. You're not hearing because you're not my sheep. It's a difference. Do you know what he's saying here? The Father hasn't given you to me an eternity. So you're dead and you can't hear. That's what he's saying. But my sheep, they hear my voice. Who is that? Those whom the Father has given to him an eternity. My sheep hear my voice. He says, and I know them, and they follow me. Brothers and sisters, how privileged are you? How privileged are you that sovereign grace through the voice of the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ, has reached you and you've come to a saving faith in him that you are called my sheep. Because you've heard his voice. Notice what he says here. Chapter 10 and verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. He's saying here, the ones that the Father gave, the whom the Father's teaching, those whom the Father draws, those whom the Father hath given to me will hear my voice, will come to me. He says, and I am the Father, we are one. I'm not saying this to be facetious, so please don't think I'm being ignorant when I say this or facetious in any way. I hope you're not choking. I'll say that so, so our American friends can understand my accent that listen. I hope you're not choking. Because that is strong. That's meat. That's meat. find it hard to swallow, yet we are the recipients of sovereign grace, yet we are chosen, elect, deeply loved, greatly blessed, highly favored in Christ. We are the children of the kingdom, sons and daughters of the loving God. Does that not make you want to rejoice? Does that not make you love him even more? Does that not make your heart burn while we talk about him and while he talks to us, by the way? You know what it does to me? It makes me want to fall upon my knees and praise him for his goodness to me. Listen to what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Notice, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth were on to... He called you to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, I want to throw my coat off and start doing somersaults. Chosen unto salvation to obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 1 and verse 4. According as He, that is the Father, hath chosen us in Him, the Son, before the foundation of the (laughs) Word. He knew me, yet He loved me, He whose glory makes the heavens shine. Listen to this Acts 13 and verse 48. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. It didn't say as many as believed were ordained to eternal life. Notice that. It didn't say as many as believed were ordained, but as many as were ordained to eternal life, they believed. The word ordained here is the word determined, appointed, and set, To think in the halls of heaven, the Father looked down through space and time, before there even was time, into eternity, before Adam fell and died before God, as it were, in the garden. Before there was a sinner on the earth, there was a Savior in heaven. And he looked down through time, through the cross, right into the year, the day, the month, and the hour, that he saved me and he saved you. In the mind of God, you were already saved. Believer, Christ had to do the work. The Spirit does the drawing, and you and I are awakened to the glory of God. Your God's bigger than you think. Your God is bigger than you think. Listen to the Puritan John R.O. Smith on election. Listen, this is fantastic. Election, having once pitched upon a man, it will find him out and call him home wherever he be. It called Zacchaeus out of a cursed Jericho. Abraham out of idolatrous Ur of the Chaldees, Nicodemus and Paul from the college of the Pharisees, Christ's sworn enemies, Dionysius and Damaris out of the superstitions of Athens, in whatsoever dunghills God's elect are hid, election will find them out and bring them home. Oh, that means we don't need a preacher no 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 that's an old that's one of those old things to try and throw it up against this teaching how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach except they be set? <laughs> see how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings paul writes in first corinthians 1 and 18 for the preaching of the cross It's to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. We were lost, and he found us. Francis Rowley and Iris Sankey wrote the old hymn. I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that went astray through His loving arms around me, drew me back into His way. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory, gathered by the crystal sea. It's yes, not going to be a day. In John 6, I'm closing. Thank you for your attention. John chapter 6, and verse 44. Just jot this down. This would be a teaching all on its own, but just jot this down. Jesus says, no man can come to me. Right there, total depravity. No man can come to me. Except the Father, right there, unconditional election. Which hath sent me, draw him, right there, irresistible grace. And I will raise him up right there, limited atonement. At the last day, right there, the perseverance of the saints. He says in verse 40 and in verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth in me hath eternal life. You can't believe unless the Lord calls you, draws you, quickens you, and awakens you to the glory of Christ on the cross. So Peter says, make your calling and election sure. The Lord Jesus consecrated a new and living way for us. Hebrews chapter 10. The living way is the hodos, means the road the path gives the idea of freshly slain road freshly slain way he came to bleed in calvary's tree but the blood was shed once and for all and it means that the blood of jesus has still power to cleanse today power to clean power to purify from every sin from every transgression from all of our iniquities The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all our sins. It gives the idea we're walking up a roadway full of blood. It's like David when he slayed, slain the animals to bring the ark of the covenant into Jerusalem. And he walked about six or eight paces and he slew a lamb or he slew an ox and he done another one and he did another one and he did another one. The whole way into Jerusalem he was covered in blood. Everyone was covered in blood of the lamb. And the idea is the blood of Jesus is like that. It's as though it was just shed right this moment. Once and for all, never to be repeated, but when we enter into the holy place, we're entering through the blood of the Lamb. See, when I come to pray, and I might feel Him, and I might fall, and I try not to, and I try to live right, but every time I come to Him, I'm covered in the blood. I'm walking up the road that's freshly slain for me and for you, and we're entering by the blood of Jesus. Once and for all, settled in heaven, that you and I can enter into his very presence and worship and praise the King of glory. May God bless his word to you tonight. Christian, may you take heart tonight to know, oh, he really knew me. I am saved and safe and secure in the hands of the Master through the blood of Christ. And if you're not saved and you realize, God's been speaking to me, something's happening to me, you see, it's not of yourself, it's of the Holy Ghost. And God is saying, Come to me. I want to make you mine. And may you do so for Jesus' name's sake and for his glory. Amen. Amen. God bless everyone. Praise the Lord.